Welcome to This is Growth, the podcast where we chat to incredible people about how they built and are building successful careers at HubSpot. Today, we will talk to Kelsey Ballantash. She is the global manager for the customer experience team here at HubSpot. Kelsey started her career in communication and PR, became a CSM, pivoted into enablement, and now has a team focused on customer experience. I loved interviewing Kelsey. She's so vulnerable about her limiting beliefs and so insightful when it comes to mental health and how to think about your transferable skills. We had a great conversation. This one was recorded remotely as Kelsey is based in Colorado, and I hope you will love it as much as I did. So let's go. Kelsey, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation today. You have had an incredible journey. Tell us, like, how did, what was your first role and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. I don't know about incredible, but I'll walk you through my career journey. So I started even before coming into the the tech world here at HubSpot. I started in public relations. And so my job was to focus on the account management and the ongoing communication with and presentations and decks and pitching for all of these social impact clients in the Washington, D.C. and Boston area. So I was working on projects related to women's health and public health and vaccinations and really cool, rewarding work. The agency world is a grind, at least I found it to be. It is very fast paced. It is very client facing. And I realized that while I enjoyed all of those things, I wanted to go to a place where I could do account management, but not be in such a concentrated space. And so I was actually recruited to HubSpot by a, a sales manager. And he was like, hey, you have an account executive title. Feels like you'd be a good fit for sales. And I don't think he quite realized that account executive in the PR world very much meant account management. So I told him, well, I'm not really interested in sales, but I love building customer relationships. And he said, ah, well, then I have just the place for you. And so that pretty much kickstarted my HubSpot career. I started as a CSM, worked in the the small and mid-sized business segment and CSM for those who aren't as familiar as customer success manager. So I was responsible for owning customer relationships, driving growth, and then moved up into the corporate segment and was always really interested in, in training and learning and development opportunities for my team. So when the opportunity came about to be a founding member of our internal enablement team, I jumped at the chance and joined that team. And enablement is a relatively new discipline and, and is really right now sort of relegated to tech, but is starting to sort of proliferate among other industries. And it's really focused on driving the best results from your people. And whether that means training, whether that means making sure that they are building the soft skills they need to do their jobs effectively. So I was in that space for a while. And then uh, another new team at HubSpot was founded to focus on improving our customer experience post-sale. And I was approached about that opportunity from some of my work I had done on enablement. And so now I am the global manager of customer experience at HubSpot. 
you said it isn't incredible, but really is when you when you think about all the roles that you had at your time in HubSpot and the different teams that you've been part of, the founding member of some of them. You really do have a legacy, and I am uh, sure that those from HubSpot that are listening know who you are. Um, Kelsey, tell us, what does growth mean to you? I love that question. It reminds me of uh, Grow Day that we hosted a couple of years ago. It was a full day session for our CS team members to focus on their growth. And we recorded this video with what personal growth meant to folks around the globe. And it got me thinking, like, what does growth mean? For me, it means building positive habits. And positive can be defined however you would like, whether growth in your uh, physical sense of like, I'm building positive habits of like, I exercise more often, or I go for walks every day. Building positive habits in the workplace could look like I take the time to reflect on my work. I give myself enough time. I set proper boundaries. I pick a skill set I want to focus on and I, I, I build in time to work on that. So growth and, and positive habits, I think, is, is the connection I would build there. Yeah, that's great. I actually just finished re-listening to uh, Atomic Habits. So habits nice. is like, you know, top of mind for me right now. One of them I'm trying to build is I'm trying to drink more water. <laughs> so that is nothing to do with my career, but hopefully with my health. But I, I, I so relate to what you're saying about uh, the, the habits that you build. Because people think about career journeys as those big steps. But really, it's the, the small things that you do consistently that actually drive your career growth? Oh, 100%. I love that you sort of broke that down into like career journeys are not ladders, they're lattices. Like you sort of have to move sideways and take small steps. And sometimes you'll take a step back. But ultimately, if everything you're doing is in service of building more positive habits, more positive behaviors, you are growing. You talked about, you know, sidestepping. I know, you know, based on your journey that you have sidestepped. And a lot of people that reach out to me about career growth, uh, they're, they're not too clear about where it is that they want to get you in their careers. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's very easy to say, you know, I always knew I wanted to make all those moves. But the question for you is, did you did you know that you wanted to be the career that you have today? Oh, heck no, absolutely not. If you had asked me even 10, 15 years ago what I wanted to do, I would have said things along the lines of like a journalist, a speech language pathologist, someone who works with children to help them enunciate and work through lists and speech impediments. I was very deep in the communications world. So to say, hey, one day you're going to drive process changes that improve the customer experience, I would have called you crazy. I think that this is a wonderful time to be someone who doesn't know what they want to do because there's so many different opportunities out there. And especially for those that are already in the tech space, like HubSpot is a very well-established company. We've been public for a number of years. We have upwards of 7,000 employees these days, and we are still all the time building these new teams. So I feel very grateful that I've, I've been very sort of open to different pathways in my career because it's allowed me to take advantage of these opportunities when they've materialized. If you're not in tech and you aren't sure what you wanna do, try something that interests you. If there's something that you're, you're passionate about in your personal life, it's very likely that 
you can translate that passion into your professional world as well. If you love writing, for example, like there are so many different disciplines that aren't just being a writer where you can exercise that passion. Yeah, that actually reminds me of I was I was mentoring somebody very young that was just you know kind of deciding what college courses they wanted to do and I remember looking at the list of college courses and nowadays there are courses for things that when we went to college they were definitely not options it's just like to show how how many new jobs have been created and entire careers and sectors so in in 10 to 15 years from now you don't even know what the opportunities will be. So I love that you talked about, uh, uh, you know, going back that far uh, in in your career. Now that we're talking about education, um, what has been your educational background? Yeah, that's a great question. So I sort of alluded to this with my interest in journalism and speech language pathology, but I studied communication in undergraduate and couldn't be more thankful for that experience. I think we think of communication as being so broad and it is, it's a very broad discipline. What I liked about it is everything is related to communication. I, I had a professor in undergrad who said, you know, if you discover the cure for cancer, that's great. But if you can't tell anyone about it, it doesn't matter. And that sort of, I just sat there in, in shock and awe because I was like, what we're doing really matters and every job you will ever have will value communication skills whether that's writing or the ability to communicate a verbal message or to distill a complex concept into something people can understand there is so much value in being able to communicate so that was my undergraduate and then a few years ago i decided to take advantage of a wonderful benefit at humpspot which is our tuition reimbursement program and i went back to school and i got my graduate degree i got a master's in business administration part-time at Boston College while working for HubSpot. So while uh, pre-pandemic, I was working at HubSpot and then driving to campus during the pandemic, I was still in my program and it ended up being like 15 hour days on Zoom. It was Zoom all day for work and then Zoom all evening for school. But I am so grateful for the experience. It allowed me to really get comfortable with virtual mediums for learning. And it also going part-time allowed me to really apply what I was learning in the classroom to my work at HubSpot and vice versa. So part-time is definitely not for everyone. I don't want you to listeners to sit here and think, oh, part-time sounds great. It's a grind, it's a lot of work. But for me, I appreciated the opportunity to apply both ways what I was learning. Yeah, I also did my master's part time while running a startup. And that was also a grind. I did a research master's in product management. And like you're saying about being online, being on Zoom at the time, because mine was a research one, I was writing a lot. I was Mm. writing about 15,000 words every month. And Honestly, it's, as you said, not for everyone, but it was so applicable to my job and it, it was incredible to, to be able to take, take knowledge and apply straight away and, and, and learn and then bring it back to class again and ask questions and brainstorm. So yeah, that's great. Kelsey, um, obviously again, like looking at your journey is, you know, we see the, the milestones. Yeah, we see you succeeding and getting that next job. But, you know, the, the reality of is that, you know, it's not always like that. So were there areas that or, or times when you stumbled in this journey? 
I stumble every day, Daphne. Like, <laughs> this is this is a tough. It's a tough job. It's a tough world, but also being a human and and being a learning, growing professional, you will make mistakes. I would say that one of the toughest things I've had to navigate in both this current role and my previous role is, well, it's exciting to be a founding member of a team. It's also really ambiguous and challenging to be in this new space, this new environment where there's no blueprint for how you're supposed to do your job or what good looks like. That's been really challenging. In my, in my time in enablement in particular, there were a lot of times that I took on the wrong work and my manager would have to sit me down and say, I love that you want to work on this thing or that you're helping this team with this other thing, but I really need you to focus here. And those conversations were really hard and humbling for me because what I realized was what my definition of good might have looked like was not always in alignment with what the business needs. If I were to give like a more specific example, um, perhaps a good one would be from from my current role. So I, I manage uh, our customer experience team and part of what we do is we handle escalated scenarios with customers. So if a customer is frustrated and, and happens to reach out to a senior level person at HubSpot, we tend to get engaged with that customer and work to triage their scenarios, see what's going on, see how we can help. And for a while, I was taking on a lot of those cases and I was getting really burnt out and it was harming me and holding me back actually from driving progress in places that were going to help more customers that were actually going to have a multiplier effect. And so while it felt really good to engage directly with a specific customer, solve their issue and send them on their way, my manager was like, Kelsey, you, while this work is wonderful and super valuable, you could have so much more impact if you focused your time instead on getting to the root causes. So this is something that I'm continuing to work on. And I think like to call it time management is probably not appropriate. Something I'm really working on is like prioritization. So before taking something on, asking myself, is this the right thing? Is there a, a similar project or initiative or area of effort that would have more of an impact? And should I be there instead? I think this will resonate with everyone. There is so much to do, right? The inbox is busy. Everybody wants your time and attention in your job, yes. different people in different departments, and we're all struggling with prioritization. But I love that you said that you had the help of your manager in many cases to, to do this, because I think you know, an external perspective is so much valuable. As you said, you, you're in the midst of all the business and all the work, and you feel like you're doing the right thing and somebody from, from the outside can see that although you're doing a lot of work, that you could be adding value somewhere else. I know that as part of, you know, the enablement role that you've had and now this new role, you're launching quite a lot of new things. You, you talked about being the founding member of a team. Was there a time that you you launched a, a initiative that you're really excited about and that flopped? Ooh, and that flopped. Uh... Yeah, so I, I have one from this week that I can talk about. So something that I'm really focused on right now is, is handoffs internally at HubSpot. So as our company has scaled and grown, we've gotten to this place where a customer could engage with 
so many different HubSpotters to solve their problems. And if you've ever been in a customer service scenario where you've needed service from a company, there's nothing more frustrating than chatting in or calling in and getting rerouted two, three, four, seven times to get your question answered or your situation resolved. And so we're dealing with the same things here at HubSpot. We have a lot of well-meaning people who are trying to help our customers, but ultimately in some scenarios, customers are getting bounced from person to person before they're able to get their situation resolved. We did some work this quarter to track handoffs when they were happening and to see if there was correlation with some of our lagging indicators. Do customers who have more or less handoffs grow and retain at higher or lower rates? And I was so excited about this data set and we spent a ton of time building a new data architecture to be able to measure engagements and, and see how we could translate those to if a handoff was taking place. And we found this week that there's no correlation. Our data doesn't tell us anything. Customers that have a lot of handoffs, not a lot of handoffs, they, there's no correlation with growth or, or retention. And this was really humbling because we spent a lot of resources here. We took a big bet. This was something that the head of our entire global success team, Gita Matani, was really excited about. And I am struggling with having to say, actually, we didn't find anything here. So where we're sort of sitting right now is like, where do we go from here? And I think sometimes when you think about growth, part of growth is realizing when you need to let a project go. And so this might be one of those cases where we did a, a great experiment to try to measure and quantify handoffs. We didn't see the results we expected to see. And now we need to reevaluate priorities and move on. So for, for those listening and thinking about how they can apply this example to, to their lives, I would say that know when to quit. We sort of thinking, think about quitting as this really negatively charged thing, but ultimately if it's, if it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. God, I have been in that situation where I stayed too long in a project because yeah. I had you know a passion for the project, but uh, yeah. Uh, now, switching gears a little bit, obviously with with career growth, um, we you know we plan, we strategize uh, in order to get to the places that that we want to. Were there anything, especially in your career, that you felt like helped you progress? So I'll say a couple of things here. Number one, I would say taking the time to do my graduate degree to learn a little bit more was really eye-opening for me. I originally went into the program thinking, I might wanna transition into operations someday. And what I found was my operations classes were not lighting a fire inside of me. They were not as exciting as I thought they would be. And where I was actually really fired up was in like my leadership and management classes, my strategic thinking classes. And I it sort of led me to realize, I think I need to be in a strategic role, but not an operational focused role. And there are elements of, of both strategy in operations and operations in strategy, but it was really eye-opening for me that like the analyst track, the manager of analytics track was not the right one for me. If you are thinking about trying to recalibrate your career journey, I would say 
talk to people in that industry or seek out a course or another sort of uh, curriculum that introduces you to that subject matter to see if you like it. So that was really helpful for me. The other thing too is like take vacations. That sounds so silly, but taking the space to really reflect and take time away from your job helps you to realize what you love and maybe don't like about it. And so I've actually found that some of my most clarifying moments about my career journey have been when I've actually not been working, when I've taken a step away and been like, oh, I can't wait to get back to my desk and do this thing, or, oh, I'm really dreading this responsibility uh, when I come back, or I'm excited to leave behind this thing. That can be really eye-opening in terms of what lights a fire inside of you and what maybe drains your energy. Space is so important, isn't it? Um, yes, and I think we 100%. don't. 100%. Yeah, we just don't give ourselves enough thinking time. We get busy all the time. We get into that that cycle of, you know, wake up, open the inbox, do your days of work. And you know, it just, it gets one day rolls into the next and it's just hard to make that time. I, I'm also a, a lover of time off. I think it's it's great. How about the things that you thought were going to help you and you're like, okay, I'm going to do these things and they're going to help me get to the next level. But in hindsight, you now realize that they weren't so useful. Mm, I'm going to say a controversial one doing a lot of like coffee chats. So as much as I said, like speaking to other people is helpful, but my advice to folks would be to do this purposefully. I got to a point where 20% of my week was spent just having coffee chats with folks. Um, and how I define coffee chats is the like half hour, like learning about each other, talking about what they do in their current role, how they got to where they are. There's so much value in networking, but there's only a finite amount of energy that you have in your day and that others have in their days. And so to be really intentional with who you meet with, is there something specific you're looking to learn from them? Because if you're just like, they seem like a good person to know, there are ways to do that more effectively, to read content that they've written. Daphne, your content is wonderful. I would say that like for folks looking to learn about your career, they should start with your, your wonderful blog posts and your LinkedIn presence, as opposed to simply reaching out to you and saying, can we book some time? I always appreciate when people do a little bit of that research first before meeting with me. And if they have a specific question they want answered or a specific topic. So again, I think the thing that's helpful there and where I've maybe fallen down is I've over-indexed on volume as opposed to very thoughtful, value-added coffee conversations. Mm, yeah, I, I'm also guilty of that. Um, and I think earlier in your career, it's easy to, to fall into, into that trap. Um, Kelsey, we see you from the outside and we see this confident, articulate, successful lady. Do you have any limiting beliefs? Whoa. Oh, that question gave me goosebumps. Limiting beliefs. Oh, I. I'll confide in everyone on this call. I have a lot of imposter syndrome. And I am 29, <laughs> which is something that if you had said five years ago, I would be sharing my age on a podcast. I would have been like, you're crazy. For the early part of my career, I never shared my age because I thought that it was uh, something that people wouldn't take me as seriously. Oh, she's, she's 23, she's 25, what does she know? 
And it's still something that I, I really struggle with of, do I have enough experience to be in this room? Uh, do I know enough? Am I in the right room? Am I the youngest person in the room? Or is everyone looking at me because I'm the youngest person in the room? And so I would say that uh, if I could go back to my younger self in particular, I would tell her to throw that belief out the window. And if I could zoom out of my current experience and, and, remind myself that age is but a number I would your perspective is so invaluable with with Gen Z coming up with millennials sort of hitting their stride in the workplace and really getting into these places of uh, getting further in their careers and into middle management like the dynamics of the workplace are changing and your perspective regardless of if you are from an older generation or a younger generation is so valuable and so never lose sight of the fact that your opinion matters regardless of how much experience you have. I feel seen, Kelsey. I am also 29 and I always, always felt that way as well. So it's nice to hear that that some other person out there also feels that way. Imposter syndrome is a topic that comes up in this podcast, it has come before, I'm sure is going to come up, um, uh, continue to come up. And I think it's the thing that you said about knowing that you add value, that your perspective is is important. I think I think keeping that in your mind is it will help build your confidence. Um, and, you know, if you're in that room, you're deserving of that spot. And, you know, keep saying that to yourself. Uh, thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. Of course. Kelsey. I wanted to ask you a question that is a little bit of a hot topic. As you move um, laterally like you did, was salary a big factor in your decision making? Was it, you know, you can tell us what happened to your salary, whether your lateral moves improved it or, or, or if it went down, if you, if you want to share that. But ultimately, what I want to know is, what's your philosophy around salary? How important it is when you're thinking about um, uh, your career moves? I love that question. And I'm a big proponent of like destigmatizing the conversation around compensation, especially for, for women. It is so beneficial to, to be open about your, your salary goals with your manager, to be open with your salary goals with yourself. And as a manager myself, one thing that I try to focus on with my team is what motivates you? And I get a lot from my team who works in customer success, solving for the customer or doing what's right to improve the customer experience. And I often push them to go deeper. I'm like, no, but is it recognition? Is it compensation? Like I, as your manager, want to know that so that we can align you with the right opportunities. So for managers listening, I would encourage you to always understand like what motivates your teams from like a very tactical sense. To get back to your original question, compensation as a deciding factor in my roles, 100%. You should always be thinking about your salary goals with every move that you make. For me, first and foremost, it's the work. Like I wouldn't say that I would make a decision solely for the salary. One major consideration was when I got my graduate degree. I felt like I got this wonderful new skill set, new diploma that shows that I can learn and I've gained these skills over the last few years. I want to be compensated commensurate with that degree. And in the move that I made following my acquisition of that degree, I was able to increase my salary about 40%. 
And that was really meaningful for me and was aligned with the expectations I had going into the program. Grad school is, is a major expense. And so it was an investment in hopefully seeing that materialize to my salary. So that was very important to me. I would also say that understanding where you are willing to take on more responsibility versus where you are willing to take a certain salary is important. And what I mean by that is as your salary increases, typically your responsibilities increase too. And for some people, it's not as meaningful to get those, those compensation increases. They don't want that additional responsibility or they don't want that additional pressure. So being really realistic with yourself of like money is great, but am I willing to trade this, this compensation increase for an increase in responsibilities or an increase in attention that's paid to me or, or visibility? Really understanding your values will help you to chart your right course there. I have not heard one person that hasn't said compensation is important. I think we'll be kidding ourselves if anybody took the, a job just for, for the delight of, of having that job. Compensation is, of course, important. Again, shifting gears and talking about um, another hot topic, uh, which is mental health. So how do you keep it on top of your mental health and how do you keep checking when things are hard? Very important question right now, Daphne. And I would say it's a hard time to be a human in this world. And it's a hard time to be a person who is trying to work and survive. Some things that I do, number one, two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic, I realized that I needed to focus more on my mental health. I started seeing a therapist and we were very lucky in the United States. Some of our insurance providers waived co-pays. Um, co-pays are the, the small amount, of course, that you pay out of pocket. The insurance covers the rest to be able to see a mental health professional. So for a couple of years, I was able to see a mental health professional for no additional cost, which got me in the door. And then uh, they have since changed back to introducing co-pays again. But for me, I, I've seen the value of dedicating an hour each week to talking with a therapist about anything and everything and realized that that was a worthwhile investment. We also have a lot of initiatives at HubSpot that are focused on mental health. So I've tried to make those a priority for my team, whether those are our psychological safety modules we're going through right now that are training folks on how to create a psychologically safe environment. We did a rethinking resilience course with my entire team where we basically talked about how to take micro breaks during the day and how to ensure that you are checking in with yourself. And at the end of that session, we created a, a scorecard that basically we self-evaluated how many breaks we take during the day or the negative limiting beliefs that we tell ourselves during a given day. And it triggered a follow-up scorecard a few months later where we had to say, hey, here were all the things you said you were going to do and that you needed to work on. How are those going? And so driving that accountability has been really helpful. And so even though the automated email triggers from that course have stopped, it's something that I want to continue doing with my team. So therapy and, and making an effort to engage in mental health resources at HubSpot have been my main two things. And just creating space to talk about the state of the world. I am a firm believer that our work lives and personal lives don't have this like brick impenetrable wall between them. We are humans first and foremost. And so if folks need to talk about what's happening and there are many things happening beyond the walls of HubSpot, 
making space and time for that is is paramount. And if I dig into that, do you ever feel like when your team is sharing those those hard stories and situations and your feelings that you might absorb some some of that and and how do you then as as a manager getting all of this energy how do you um kind of manage that and and continue being the the upbeat positive person hmm. that you are that's a really tough question to answer because i have to admit i'm not always good at that i'm a highly sensitive person and and deeply empathetic almost to a fault i would say at times whereby i absorb other people's emotions and and sit with them and i sit in their grief in their pain with them i would say something that my therapist told me once when i said to her like how do you handle dealing with everyone's mental health day in and day out that's your job like how do, how do you survive and her her name is sarah so i call her therapist and uh therapist said to me i have my own network and my own outlets and i think for us as managers recognizing that we do in some ways absorb a lot from our teams what are you doing to take care of yourself and for me of course as i mentioned it's therapy but i also have a wonderful support system of friends i make it a point to exercise during the week and during the work day i walk my dog these are things that i have to do to ensure that i'm able to be a good manager and that i'm able to leave it on the court at the end of the game so to speak where i can sign off on my from my computer at the end of the day and and still exist and and find joy in my life. Mm, yeah. Very very important to do that. Um exercise is another topic that comes often in this conversations and I think a lot of people find value in breaking a sweat and you know connecting with your body in in that way getting out of your head and into of your body. Mm. Kelsey, I know you moved to Colorado during during the pandemic. Um tell me, you know, what was the transition of working in an office full-time face-to-face to now working completely remote? Great question. And top of mind I think for a lot of folks right now who are evaluating if they can work fully remote or folks who might be adopting a hybrid approach to work or maybe folks that are excited to go back to the office. I am definitely not someone who would have willingly chosen to be fully remote. I will confide that in you. I am someone who is really focused on building relationships in person. It's really important to me. Um and so when it comes to having moved out here, I I have a tough time sometimes being fully remote, but what's nice is it's been a remote first world for a couple of years now and so I moved in in 2020 and found that I was doing this fully remote thing alongside a lot of other people who were doing it at the same time and so it's made it a lot easier because I think companies have been forced to adapt to a hybrid workforce they've been forced to introduce a lot of collaboration tools that have made remote work a lot easier So I make it a point to just take advantage of the fact that the culture has changed and to make it also a point to travel when I can and to build space to build relationships with people 
the way I would have in the office. It's definitely different and it's definitely challenging, I won't lie. But for me, HubSpot was worth it and I was willing to be a fully remote employee and to also be able to live in a place that I've wanted to live for a long time. Yeah, I say I I'm a hugs person. I love hugging people, <laughs> and unfortunately, you can't do that uh, uh, over the over Zoom. That's been a hard thing to give up. Certainly, that closeness, and I still believe in my heart. There's so much value in being in person with people. I was very lucky to have had some in person time with my team earlier in June, so that was really lovely and set us up on a good track. So, if I were to give advice to companies out there. Bringing people together in meaningful ways will have to be part of a company's overarching strategy. It doesn't need to be all the time. I think the future of work is definitely flex and it has allowed us to get a lot more diverse folks from all over the world and all over the country here in the US. But we will need to be intentional about bringing people back to have conversations, build deep relationships. Totally agreed. I'm excited. I'm excited to to see the team. I, I come to the office only once a week, but it's one of my favorite days of the week uh, because I do get to hug people, but uh, oh. also <laughs> because it's it, it's an outlet for me. It's part of my my. Um, my support network it's actually to have mm-hmm. those conversations have a laugh and, and and a little bit more light my day um Kelsey my last question for you and I want to wrap up with a um with a light one um you know as as you navigate your career I'm sure success the meaning of success for you has changed over time but tell us if you you know if you're thinking about what success is for you today how how would you How would you define it and how would you measure it? Success, I would define as fulfillment. Am I rewarded by my work? Am I feeling very, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? Am I feeling inspired by the things that I'm doing? Am I feeling challenged? I think all of those are different facets of fulfillment. When it comes to measuring those things, I think it's a matter of self-reflection. At the end of the week, at the end of a day, do I go to bed? Do I enjoy my weekend? And do I say to myself, I made a difference or I fed my soul or I helped a person grow? One of the most fulfilling things for me in the last few months is the opportunity to be a manager. It was something I had always wanted in my career and and now seeing my team, building my team, working directly with people, I get a lot of energy from helping to nurture their growth and build their careers. And I would say that's one of the most fulfilling things that I've been able to do. That's great. Yeah, I think I think that that is where we land this plane. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for sharing your experience, your story with us. Um, It's been a pleasure. I know a lot of people are going to see value from this. Um, So thank you. I hope so. Thanks, Daph.